Welcome to Be The Best You. I'm your host, Luke Briggs. What is going on, folks? It has been a while. It's been over three and a half months since I've released an episode. Were you wondering if I was coming back? Well, for those who don't know, in July, I transitioned to becoming full-time in my online fitness and nutrition coaching business. So I've shifted a lot of my focus toward building that out. We've done really well and have been able to serve a lot of people in the program. We've had lots of amazing results, like people getting rid of low back pain, to one of my clients recently just got under 200 pounds body weight for the first time in 40 years. Another client of mine just reached 50 pounds of body weight loss. Other clients have more energy than they felt in years and have noticed definition in their muscles they haven't seen since high school. It's been great and I'm truly blessed to be able to serve all these amazing people. So I'm planning to get back to more consistent episodes with this podcast soon. And the one I've got for you today is one that was very special to me. So in early March, right before everything shut down due to COVID, I had the amazing opportunity to speak in front of a group of men at Leading with Power here in Madison, Wisconsin. It's a great organization led by Josh Corrick here in the Madison branch, and it focuses on helping men become better husbands, fathers, and leaders both at work and in their community. So many of you who have been listening to this podcast may not know much about me or my story. You've heard me interview others, but you haven't really heard much about me. So if you want to know more about who I am and how I've gotten to where I am today, this is the episode where I get vulnerable and share many things I've never really shared publicly before. In this speech, I talked about how being shy and socially awkward growing up and struggling to connect with women helps me relate to others who are struggling in those categories. And I also talked about how failing a college class was actually a blessing in disguise. I talked about how struggling for years to fully transform my own body helped me to actually understand what it takes to make a true physical transformation. I'm really looking forward to sharing this episode with all of you. And if you get any value out of this episode, please, please, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review so we can reach more people. Now sit back and enjoy this episode with my talk I gave way back in March of 2020 to Leading with Power. I appreciate it, Josh. And um, as you know, as he said, I'm a strength coach, so I talk very loud. So I probably do not need a microphone either. I think last time I gave a talk where I had a microphone, people who were sitting in the front of the room had to like go to the back of the room because I was talking so loud. So, um, so um, again, thanks to Josh for having me. So um, about six weeks ago, um, Josh texted me and said that um, asked me if I wanted to be the speaker at Leading With Power. And it's funny because I had met with him last year and asked him, what do you need to do to be a speaker at Leading With Power? Um, so I texted him back within about a minute. I said, yes. And then after I thought about it, so you know, full disclosure, kind of in my life at that point a few weeks ago, um, I'd kind of realized that now that I have a son, um, I'd always preach to my, my fitness clients, like it's really important to be selfish. Like, People, especially parents who have um, kids and have jobs and have all these other things going on in life, it's really important 
that you are selfish with your time to take care of yourself first so you can better help others. But I realized that I had gone too far in that extreme and had made myself such a priority that I wasn't really making my family as big a priority as I needed to be. So when he sent me that text that had kind of been recently when I felt like I'd been a little selfish, so I'm thinking to myself like, man, I don't really know if I'm worthy of, of standing up here and talking to these men about how to be a better man when I'm really not even doing that or practicing that myself. And I thought about it like the entire day, I'm thinking about texting him back, like maybe you should just find someone else. Like I really don't think I deserve to do this. So then like when I got home at night, I didn't even want to tell my wife because she was probably like frustrated with me that I hadn't really been helping out with our kid or around the house much. So it was weird though, because literally like as I walked into my house at night, all of a sudden, like when I walked through the door, it was like this divine intervention came over me and said, Luke, this has been like your entire life. It doesn't matter where you are now. It only matters where you want to go. You still got six weeks till this talk. You can make a change. So I decided in that moment I was going to make a change. And I'd love to sit here and say that everything is all perfect and I've completely transformed my life in six weeks, which I've gotten better. But I did actually have my wife say to me, I have noticed a difference and that you are contributing more around the house and helping out with our son. Um, so for me, um, really my story and what the journey that I want to share with you is that leave the past behind. Your story starts now. Um, so one of my favorite uh, entrepreneurs to follow uh, is Tom Bilyeu who is the co-founder of Quest. How many people have ever heard of like Quest Nutrition Bars or ever eaten them? Probably a lot of people here. They're very popular, they're all over the stores. And one thing that he did, so Quest Nutrition a few years ago, it went from basically like no one had ever heard of it to it was like when people think protein bars, they think Quest Bars, right? So they grew like 57,000% in like a three year span. Like they were number two on the Inc. 5000 list for fastest growing privately held companies in the, in the United States at that point. And while he was growing so fast, he needed to hire a lot of employees. And the story he told just like resonated with me so much. So he said like at one point, like he was a really big, big into like knowing the growth mindset. And what he said was at one point, he wanted to give people, anyone, an opportunity. When he hired these people and these workers, he didn't care where they had been or what had happened to them in the past. He only cared where they wanted to go and how bad they were willing to sacrifice to get there. And he was literally hiring like ex-criminals. Like he would have like bloods and crips like working on the same line. Like he'd have like you know, gang members, but he's like, these people, like, it doesn't matter if it's maybe illegal activity, like, this is business, like, you have to know how to, you know, where the point person is, you know, where to, where to sell the drugs, like, all this stuff, and a lot of them, he said, were their best workers. It's because he gave them a chance, he believed in them, and he didn't care about what had happened before, only about what they wanted to do. And I think we all fall victim to this in life. And I have as well. We give ourselves these labels. Like, think about yourself. Like, have you given yourself a label as like someone who's shy, introverted, unattractive, whatever these things are that we've labeled ourselves and we've told ourselves these stories start to manifest into reality and we start to really believe them. So what I want to talk about today is really kind of my story and my journey. A lot of these things like I've never really shared with people before, 
But I uh, want to really preface this with like three things. So I'm a huge believer in leading through authenticity and vulnerability because I, I heard this quote a few year, or a couple years ago from a, a coach who I had hired, a business coach at the time, and he said, accomplishments impress, vulnerability connects. Accomplishments impress, vulnerability connects. And I think for men, it's so hard for us to put ourselves out there and be vulnerable because we're worried about judgment, because we're these, these big, strong guys, right? We're supposed to be the man, right? So for us, it's really hard to step out there and put ourselves out there. But um, I've realized that a lot of the insecurities that I've had in my life and a lot of the mistakes I've made have led me to becoming the type of person I am today. So for that reason, I'm thankful that I went through those. Uh, the second thing that I want to bring up before I start is that I had a very blessed childhood. Um, I had two amazing parents who really cared for me. Uh, my mom would like prepare my food and get my clothes ready for me like every day growing up when I went to school. Um, I remember like by the time I was like a senior in high school, you had this thing where like you, you saw like how late you could be without actually being late to get to the first class in the morning. Like school would start at like 7.55 and I would be like, okay, I'd wake up at like 7.15 after like the 10th time my mom yelled at me to get out, get out of bed, right? Um, so then I, I would take my brother too and he's like, oh, I don't want to be late. And I would literally, like, school would start at 7.55. I'd leave at, like, 7.35. It took five minutes to get there. We were running into the class. I'd have to, like, sneak in um, just before the bell rang. But um, she would, like, wake me up, make sure I got there on time. My dad came to every single one of my games growing up. Um, I remember this time in high school, we were playing a game in Monroe, which was, like, an hour away. I played at Monona Grove High School baseball. And our team would always get there, like, an out on the bus, would always get there, like, an hour before the games. And I remember one time, like, we got there, like, an hour and 15 minutes ahead of time, and my dad was already there. He had, like, already beaten the bus there. Um, so he would come to all my games. I never had to worry about, you know, food, where I was going to get my food or if I had a, a roof over my head. So I had a very blessed childhood. You know, a lot of the challenges that I went through were very mental and things that I kind of put on myself. But the fact of the matter is a lot of us might be in that same situation as well. Like, a lot of these things we put on ourselves are mental. Um, and the, the third thing that I really want to talk about is like some of you in this audience right now might not be able to relate to much, if anything, in my story. Maybe you can only relate to parts of my story. Maybe you know someone like me who has, has similarities to my story. But my hope is that through sharing my story and my journey, if at least one person can be impacted or at least one person here can take this away and share with someone else, then I will have done my job. So I want to share... Uh, kind of three facets to my story and things that I've overcome in my life um, through, first up, my relationships, um, most notably my uh, like romantic relationships. Uh, secondly, challenges that I've overcome in my career. And then thirdly, challenges that I've overcome in my fitness. So um, I want to start with my relationships. And I think like us as men, so there's this kind of macho thing going on in like male society, right? Like we'll see all these music videos, we'll see these movies, there'll be women draped all over these men, right? Like we're supposed to be the man, we're supposed to have women coming up to us left and right, right? So for us to admit that we are struggling with women would be like us admitting like we're weak, we're not a man, we're a pansy, right? Uh, but I'm here to tell you that for many years I struggled mightily with women. In fact, I never went on a single date until I was 26 years old. 
I'm not talking about a relationship. Like, I'm not talking about like short-term, long-term relationship. I'm talking about I never went on one single date until I was 26 years old. So to say I struggled with women was an understatement. <laughs> so for me, really it started when I was kind of like in middle school and high school. I was always really shy and socially awkward. I think it's tough for a lot of men to like admit like we struggle socially or we're awkward at all, and that's something that not a lot of people will talk about, but it's something that was really kind of defining for me in my life growing up was how hard it was for me to like talk to other people. I like, didn't know what to say. So especially around girls and around women, I like literally would like crap my pants at the thought of even like talking to a girl. So for me, um, like I would literally, just to kind of like paint a picture, like you know in like the classroom, usually they have like these desks and the teacher's up front, and there's like one person at each desk. Sometimes they'd have like these tables that you'd sit at, where there'd be like two people at the table. There would be like a couple of times where like there was a girl sitting like right next to me, like the entire semester, and I would not even like talk to her or look at her like the entire semester, because I literally did not know what to say. Um, it sounds kind of bad, but that's, that's really the truth. And we'd have like, and the entire middle school and high school, I did not go to a single dance, didn't go to homecoming, didn't go to prom. In middle school, they had these dances where like they literally had them during the day, like during the day so that kids could go to them. And they had like these alternate activities for like a few kids who like didn't actually want to go to the dances. And I would like would, was afraid to even like step foot inside of the gym. So I would literally like be one of the only kids going to like these alternate activities. Um, that's, how, that's how shy I was. So I didn't really have a lot of friends, was very shy in high school. Um, and then eventually, like when I got to college, like the thought of going to college for me as someone who already didn't have many friends or many connections or many relationships was so scary because I would have to start all over. I went to UW-Whitewater and I didn't really know anyone there. Um, so like literally, I had in my head at that point that I, was, I had the identity that if I were to talk to someone there was no point in me even talking to them or attempting to form a relationship with them because I had in my head that I was not an interesting person and they'd eventually just find out that and then not want to hang out with me anyways. So I self-sabotaged. And like, I'm talking like, I didn't even know what, I lived in a dorm, I didn't even know like what the people in the dorms next to me looked like. I would just like sit in my room by myself and when I would walk down the hall to go to the bathroom, it was like this really like, awkward thing for me. I'm like, crap, I have to, let's see, can I hold it in for another couple hours so I don't have to embarrass myself walking down the hall? I would literally like walk down the hall, just kind of like stare down away, not looking at anyone else. Um, so for me, it was like really a challenge to be in these dorms around all these people because I was so socially awkward. So from there, um, after I went to UW-Whitewater for a year and a half, then I transferred to UW-Madison. And at UW-Madison, it was a little bit easier for me to transition in because I already had some friends from high school who were there, so it was a little bit easier for me to get into a social group. Um, but again, you know, I just really continued to struggle with relationships and, you know, connecting with women in any shape or form. Um, so I remember this, this uh, situation when I was 21 years old, so I never ever drank alcohol before I was 21 or even like a few months afterwards. I never went to a single party in high school, college, or I think I went to like one party in college when I was 20 but didn't, didn't drink at it, just with my friends. Um, I went to, this, to the bars for the first time with a couple of friends and I remember we were at this, um, 
we were at this one bar and a couple of my friends like went to talk to these other girls and I'm just like, oh, well, they would never want to talk to me, so I'll just kind of sit here in the corner by myself. And I remember for the first time in my life, all of a sudden I see an attractive female walking up to me and I'm like, and she says like, hey, I bought this drink for you. And I remember I like look to the left <laughs> and then I look to the right and even though my back is against the wall, I'm pretty sure I looked behind me too. I'm like, oh, hi, how's it going? So for the first time in my life, and for most people, this is just like a regular Saturday night. For me, this was like the first time in my life, and a girl, much less an attractive girl, would actually talk to me. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? So I literally, um, she said like, do you want a drink or something like that? Or I bought, the, I bought these shots for you. And I said, oh, sorry, I don't drink. And then she's like, oh no, really, I bought them for you. I'm like, oh, no, sorry, I don't drink. And it took me about 25 seconds to lose her. <laughs> so... That was my one ever experience wh where that had happened. And like I said, for most people, that would just be like nothing, and they would just brush it off. But for me, that was like, oh my gosh, how did I mess that up? Like, I remember I went home that night. I like couldn't even sleep because I just kept thinking about, gosh, Luke, you're such an idiot. Why couldn't you have just said like, oh, thanks, I don't drink, but what's your name? And, and what grade are you in, right? So, and talk a little bit more. But I just didn't even know what to say or do. So for me... It was just really challenging in that situation. Um, and then I really continued to struggle. Um, I would like, be in class and wouldn't talk to anyone until I got to be t about 24 years old where I decided to become a personal trainer. So I just knew that I liked fitness at that point, but I didn't realize that personal training involved you needing to talk to people all day. <laughs> so I quickly realized, I remember like the first time I gave a talk to someone as a personal trainer, I just like was reading off a script. I like stumbled over my words. I like didn't know what to say. Um, pretty sure it was absolutely terrible. I, I think I was giving some like seminar talk on nutrition to like 10 people. They probably thought like, who the heck is this guy trying to teach me this nutrition stuff? Uh, but basically, after a while, like this is like the first time in my life, even though was, I was their trainer, that I actually got experience talking to a large group of women, and women actually wanted to talk to me, and women, and I actually like had something to talk to them about because. I was the coach, like, right? So, you know, eventually after a couple of years, and mind you, I'm not sitting there like, you know, hitting on my clients or anything. Um, one of my clients actually, um, actually ended up asking me out on a date. And then five and a half years later, she's my wife and we have a kid together. So, um, so it ended up working out all right. And she was like literally the perfect, perfect person for me. Um, I know a lot of people are struggling to meet women and Essentially, what I did was I realized that all, if I had ever like, tried to get into a relationship earlier in life, it wouldn't have worked out for me because I was not ready mentally. I had not yet reached that level of personal development to be able to be in a relationship and you know, make a woman happy or meet the type of person who I wanted to meet, which is my wife now, who is you know, obviously good-looking, um, driven, passionate, um, someone who wants to, to live life together. So for me, I really realized that by be I needed to first become the type of person who would attract that type of person and actually, in order to actually meet the girl of my dreams. So you know, I think really like my biggest takeaway is that I think a lot of men from that specifically is a lot of men out there are, are struggling and I think more than we know to like meet women or maybe even 
what, if it's not you, like someone you know, you can think of in your head who like really struggles with this. And I think this is something that doesn't get talked about a lot. And if you were to just say to like a socially awkward guy, like you should just get out more and socialize and go to these networking events, put yourself out there, right? Guy's gonna freak out because that's so overwhelming. So really what I realized is that like putting yourself in a situation that's like, there are women there, but it, you're doing something else. Like my job, like a job or a volunteer opportunity. Like think of like a place where women are and you don't have to have these uncomfortable conversations with them because it's just a part of what the thing is, right? So if you know any men like this, what I would highly suggest is talk to them and, and tell them, you know, do things like this, like find a job where you have to socialize with women. Um, get a volunteer opportunity where there are lots of women where you're talking, talking to, uh, meet up, meetups. There are so many other ways to connect other than the typical, you know, forcing, forcing yourself into that situation because once you uh, put yourself in the right situation um, with other interests and once you become the type of person you need to be, you will attract that type of person. So that for me was really a struggle was my relationship. And you know, another challenge I was kind of going through um, earlier in my life was my career. So growing up, I was obsessed with sports. How many people here loved like watching sports growing up and still do? Probably a lot of people in this room, right? So for me, uh, growing up, I was absolutely obsessed with sports. Like when I was six years old, I would literally get up at like six o'clock. I got up at six o'clock because my parents wouldn't let me get up before then because they didn't want to have to actually watch me. And then I would watch Sports Center for literally like two to three hours. Like most kids who are six years old are probably watching cartoons. I was literally watching Sports Center for like two to three hours every single morning. So, and then I also, uh, another story, my brother actually told this story. Uh, he was the best man at my wedding and told this story to embarrass me um, with his best man speech at my wedding was that um, I, growing up, played with my Beanie Babies until I was in high school. Because, not because I liked playing with them and role playing with them, because I liked making them like into teams and athletes, um, like sports teams, and like uh, keeping their stats. Like I love sports. I was so super passionate about like I would create like leagues with my Beanie Babies where I'd have like um, six teams like in baseball. Then after baseball season, they'd move into basketball. And I'd do like all these crazy things because I was so obsessed and just love sports so much. So from there, it was pretty obvious at that point that I was going to be pursuing something in sports because it was just my passion. So when, it, when I went into college, it's kind of a no-brainer that I was going to study journalism and become a sports writer. So what happened was I, when I first got into college, um, I got this job at the Wisconsin State Journal. Uh, I'm assuming, well, newspapers aren't really a thing anymore, but everyone's heard of the Wisconsin State Journal, or maybe at least some people. Um, newspapers aren't really a thing anymore, but um, I, I got this job, which at the time was pretty prestigious, as a, a sports assistant, as a freshman in college at the Wisconsin State Journal in the sports department. I had a, a couple of connections. I, like I said, I went to Monona Grove High School, and two of the teachers there had husbands who were assistant sports editors at the State Journal. So it kind of helped connect me. And I was the youngest person by like two or three years there. So for me, that was really awesome at the time. And I really loved it as I went through college. But as I went through college, a lot of the other um, sports, like I wanted to be covering, I'm talking like I wanted to be covering like professional sports, like I wanted to be covering college sports, like I wanted to be in the locker rooms. Like if I couldn't play those sports because I wasn't good enough to make it to the pros, I wanted to be involved in some other way. So for me, 
um, at that point, I, what happened was as I went through college, I realized that all these sports editors were like accepting buyouts from the newspaper because the newspaper industry was going downhill because, actually curious question, how many people read the newspaper every day currently? No, one person, two people, one out of like 30. So um, basically no one, right? So the newspaper industry makes money on advertising and was losing a lot of money, especially as I went through college. So by the end of college, I kind of saw the writing on the wall that I needed to get out of this. And especially when I was like nearing the end of my collegiate career, I was actually like not looking forward to graduating because there were like no jobs available or all the jobs that were available were like me moving to like Montana to cover like a high school team. So I was like, that didn't sound, that didn't sound very appealing. So for me, um, what I realized at that time was I needed to find something else. But at that time, I was 22, and I was thinking like, crap, I just completely wasted the last four years of my life. I'm going to be way behind everyone if I have to start over. Um, so what I decided was after a while, like, okay, maybe I could, at the same time, like I should say that at the same time I was going through all this, um, I really got more into training because I really wanted to learn how to build muscle because I was really on the thinner side growing up. All the other guys were like way bigger and stronger than me and I wanted to figure out how to actually build muscle. How many people have ever gone through like a phase like this? Right, probably a lot of us, right? Where we're like, I just wanna like impress the ladies. I wanna build, build big muscle. I wanna, you know, make those other guys look weak. Um, so essentially I became like obsessed with figuring out how to build muscle myself. And I realized at the time though, like I didn't really think personal training was something like you could pursue because I thought it was like something that people just did like in their 20s kind of to pass the time while they were actually figuring out their real career. So for me, I didn't really see fitness as a career. So I, I thought of like something similar. So what could I do that's similar than that? Like physical therapy and occupational therapy were two things that I thought of. So um, I thought of being, I started, taking like a couple of like college courses because there were like certain prerequisites because as a journalism major or getting a journalism degree, I didn't really take like science classes because you didn't really need to know science for journalism, or at least I thought. Um, so I started taking a couple other like science courses and then my mom told me that it looks good for like physical therapy schools if you become like a certified nursing assistant. How many people have ever heard of like CNAs, certified nursing assistants? So where they work in like clinics and kind of assist um, nurses. So I thought, okay. So I found out there was like this class that you could take to become a certified nursing assistant. And this was actually a, a pretty big turning point in my life right here. Um, so going into this class, they had like two parts of the class. They had like the first, the first part of the class, which was you went in and you had to like take these four tests and get like at least like a 77% in order to pass on to the clinical portion where you'd actually go into the hospitals and work. So the first part of the class, they, like I said, you had these four exams. Um, so you just had to get like 77% on it. So the first, I took the first test the first week. I think I got like you know, 85% or something like that. So I'm thinking like, okay, I'm pretty good here. Second test, you know, I, I probably studied a little less because I'm like, okay, I probably don't really need to study this material. I'll probably still get at least a 77%. Um, I think I got like 80% or something like that. So I'm like, yeah, I'm in the driver's seat. So at that point, going into the third test of the four that I needed to take to, to pass that part, I was just thinking like, yeah, I don't even need to study. I'll be fine, right? I'll, I'll pass it. So I, I think on the third test, I ended up getting like a 
So I'm like, crap, I need to get myself together or else I'm gonna fail this and not even make it to the clinical. And the reason this is important because at this point I literally had only ever gotten A's and B's in my life and I had never failed a single thing in my life. So for me, this was like a huge deal. So I'm like, crap, I better not fail this. I, I'm, a, I'm an A and B student, I can't be failing this, right? Because then I'll have wasted all this time. So I studied really hard and then I looked and saw that I needed to get at least a 24 out of 30 on the third test, on the fourth test in order to pass and move on to clinical. So I'm like, okay, well I just need at least a 24 out of 30. So I studied really hard for the next week and then we took tests on those computers, like you remember like growing up where you'd take like these tests on computers and then like as soon as you were done with the test, it would like shoot out your score. Has anyone ever taken tests like that? Um, so essentially I took the test, like I was probably in the room like 20 minutes longer than any other student because I was like double, triple checking every single answer. I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm confident that I'm gonna get at least a 24 out of 30 on this. So I was about to click the submit button and then I sat there for probably like a minute or two. I'm like, maybe I should go check this again just to make sure everything looks good again. And then finally, I hit submit and then I spit out the score. I needed a 24 out of 30 to pass the class. It says 23 out of 30. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I put in all this effort and I don't pass the class by one. And so I immediately ran up to the teacher and I'm like, is there anything you can do? Like, I got 23 out of 30. I'm so close. Can you just pass me? And she's just like, you know, I can, I can talk to them, but probably not. I mean, you didn't pass it. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. I've never failed anything in my life. So for me at this, at this point, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is probably not meant to be. So I thought about retaking the class, and I decided after a while I'm not going to retake the class. So I think for like the next few months, I just kind of like went about my business. Um, I was working at like a, a customer service job at the time, just to kind of fill the, fill the gap there and make some money. And then during that entire time, I was working, uh, I, I would like in between work, I would essentially, in between work, I, like all of my spare time, like when I wasn't taking phone calls, wasn't answering emails, I would be researching fitness stuff because I was so obsessed with building muscle. So then eventually I'm like, okay, I'm so obsessed with this, maybe I should just at least try being a personal trainer, right? Because I read about these other people online who are personal trainers or were strength coaches, own their own gyms. Um, so I found this, I just typed in like seminars in Wisconsin because I, I read that like a lot of these fitness people like went to seminars and that's where you could like meet and connect with other fitness people. Nothing came up, so I just typed in seminars in the Midwest. And this thing came up called Midwest Performance Enhancement Seminar. It was in Indianapolis. And mind you, at the time, I was still extremely shy and the thought of driving six hours away and I did not know a single person even though I was like 24 years old was so daunting and overwhelming. I'm like, so for like two weeks and it was gonna cost like $1,000 to go to, right? And I had never like invested that kind of money. So for like two weeks, basically, um, I just like, every day would open up the screen to purchase the ticket for the event, and then I would like close out. I like couldn't build up the courage to actually purchase the ticket to attend the event. So then finally after a couple weeks, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do it. Got the ticket to the event, drove the six hours to the event, and then when I get there, I walk in, and 
I just like immediately revert back to like my shy self and I'm just like off in the corner. I'm like, oh crap, there are all these like celebrity fitness people over there. Oh, they're crap. There's the guy that I, that I read online. He's famous. I don't want to talk to him. So for me, it was like really nerve wracking. I had to work up the courage to actually start to talk to some of these presenters. And when I actually talked to one of the presenters, I told him where I'm from. I told him kind of my situation. I'm just kind of figuring out like how do, how do you actually get into personal training? So then he said to me, he said, oh, you're from Madison, Wisconsin. Actually, there's another guy here from Madison, Wisconsin. I think he just opened up his own, his own gym. So I ended up connecting with him the next day and then said like, okay, when we get back to Madison, um, follow up with me and you can come like shadow me or something. So I said, okay, I did that. And I, I shadowed him like a couple weeks later. And then after shadowing him, he texted me like a few days later and said, hey, I'm actually, I would actually like to talk to you about doing an internship. I'm like, really? I'm not even a personal trainer. So gave me an internship at his gym and long story short, I'm still a coach there seven and a half years later and have my own business as well. But what happened was if I had never, some people can say it's lucky that you end up connecting with at your first seminar you ever went with to like a really great gym and job that you like. But what really happened in that situation was that I got out of my comfort zone. I did something, even though like to many people here that might not seem like much to me at the time, that was like, oh my gosh, all these strangers. I'm not even a personal trainer. I'm not big and muscular. I don't know anything about science. How am I ever going to do this? So by me stepping out of my comfort zone and putting myself out there really helped me allow myself to be able to do something that I enjoy every single day. So if you or anyone you know are stuck in your career, find what you're passionate about and pursue it. You don't have to go like all in right away, but find things, talk to people. There are other seminars out there. Like think about someone, either you or someone you know, who you know wants to get into a different profession or do something else or something more with their lives and have them talk to people and connect with successful people in that industry. Because if you never try something, you never know if you're gonna like it, right? So the third, and I know I've been going here for a while here, the third thing that I wanna talk about today is my fitness. So with my fitness, I've kinda of had two transformations in my life. So growing up, like I said, I was really kinda of on the thinner side, didn't have a whole heck of a lot of muscle mass. And for me, I just wanted nothing more than to build muscle, get stronger, right? So in high school, I kind of lifted and dabbled a little bit. Um, in college, I got more serious about it. And then after I had just been lifting for a long time, I realized like I pretty much look exactly the same. So what am I doing all this work for? So I realized that a lot of the guys who were having success with their fitness, excuse me, a lot of these guys who were having success with their fitness, what they were doing was they were like never missing workouts. I mean, they were going like consistently. So. I realized that I just need to commit to never missing a workout again. And if I do that, maybe I will actually get good results. So I remember the exact day on January 27th, 2010, it was right after I had like missed a workout because I was like sick or something, but you know, probably could have gone anyways. Um, I committed to myself that I would never miss a scheduled lift again. And to this day, over 10 years later, I still have not. Um, and a lot of them are not always the greatest workouts, but I at least go in and do something. So doing that commitment allowed me to uh, plus like actually like starting to research things and learn more allowed me to gain about probably 25 30 pounds of muscle of mostly muscle over the next couple of years 
So I'd finally gone from like skinnier to like someone people saw as actually having muscle. But I really call it like a half transformation because while I transformed physically, I didn't really transform mentally. Because I, was even, I had become a personal trainer at that time for a couple of years, but what had happened was I was still doing, and even though I was like coaching other people on how to transform their bodies, I was still falling victim to a lot of the same things I was telling my clients not to do. Like I would step on the scale and freak out if it didn't say the right number that I wanted. Um, I would you know, try something for like a couple of weeks and if it didn't work, I would like try something else. And then all of a sudden I'd read um, something else and then try that for a few weeks and if that didn't work, um, I would just keep repeating that cycle. So eventually, um, it just got to the point where I'm like, okay, I need to do something about this. So I decided in late 2015 that I was commit, going to commit to training for a bodybuilding show. So I'm like, okay, well, I look at who do I want to look like. I want to look like a bodybuilder. And I decided to train for that show. And I found like this show later that next year in 2016. It was like in October where I'm like, okay, if I give myself maybe like nine, ten months to train for this, I should be... Um, I should be good, right? I should be able to uh, be in a good spot and be where I need to be. So at first, I just had like this friend who I asked to like kind of help me with my nutrition a little bit. And I, for about the first three or four months of the year, I think about the first three months of the year, I trained really hard, I followed his advice on nutrition, and I saw zero results. And at this point, I am like five and a half, six months out from my show, and I have not transformed a bit I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get ready for this show by October 1st? So what I realized at the time was that I was not actually fully committed. So what I did was at the gym I was training at at the time, uh, there was this contest prep coach there, and I decided that, okay, I actually need to pay him to show me how to do this. So I paid him the money, and as soon as I paid him the money, it felt like I was actually finally fully committed. And I actually um, committed to his training at that time, the week before my wedding. So uh, one thing I've never believed in is timing, because if you want to do something, just go for it, because it's always going to be, you know, your wedding, you're on vacation, someone's birthday, this and that. If you really want something, just go for it. So I had the work ethic at that point, but I just didn't have the right strategy. So long story short, like I started the journey at about 186 pounds, and I, I'm someone who wants to gain weight at this point and gain muscle weight, right? So for me, I figured like, okay, by the end of my, my journey here, I'll probably be like 180, 190 90 pounds on stage. And at the end of the five and a half months and on my actual day on October 1st, 2016, when I competed, I weighed 158 pounds. So I had to lose about 30 pounds in order to get lean and ripped for the show. Mind you, I was someone who was trying to gain weight and gain muscle weight, and I ended up losing close to 30 pounds. So at that point, I, it didn't really matter to me. I had achieved the physique I wanted because I had achieved what I was really searching for, which was the mental transformation. Because I finally learned the secret to making a physical transformation. And as soon as that happened, I ended up like regaining 30, 35 pounds, like pretty easily on my own in the next um, six to 12 months after that. And I realized the secret to making a physical transformation is, ready for it? Stick with one plan for a long period of time, put your blinders on, 
block out all the noise, and execute it day after day, no matter how you feel or no matter what the circumstances are that are going on. It was mind-blowing to me. And after I figured that out, I realized that that is really the key to making any physical transformation. And going through that experience allowed me to better be able to help my clients. And from there, I've always felt in more control of my body and my physique. So um, I know I'm running long on time here, but you know, really how I want to sum this all up and what I want you to take away from this is that in our lives, like we all feel like we're stuck at certain times, right? How many people have ever felt stuck in their lives, in any area of your life? You felt like there's nowhere to go. You feel like you are in a box, you are labeled, you're shy, you're awkward, you're introverted, you're unfit, you're overweight, like we put ourselves in these boxes. And in order to get out of these boxes, the only person who can get us out is ourselves. I learned no man on the white horse is coming to save me. My excuses are not valid because if I continue to say all these things and give all these reasons for why I can't do something, it's just gonna be like a self-fulfilling prophecy. But the good thing is, through all this, if you own your life, no matter where you are currently, you can go wherever you wanna go. So for all of you today, I want you to leave the past behind because your story starts now.